living water. This weekly broadcast is presented to you by Cornerstone Bible Center, located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you subscribe to this podcast, please send us an email at indepthbibleteaching at yahoo.com. And now, here's our teacher, Alex Del Percio. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 11. Now, we've been looking in this chapter... Jim, it's too long. We've been looking in this chapter, dealing with the dietary laws that God laid down for the Israelites. Uh, he has a list here. Uh, you've all read this chapter, I assume. It has a long list of the animals that they were not allowed to eat. They were not allowed to partake of. And we did a cross-section of those animals. There's so many different ones that um, hold certain characteristics that are very interesting. And by seeing these characteristics, God is showing us that there is certain things, or there are certain things that we as believers are not to take into ourselves, to, to partake of. Now, in, in going past this, I want to go to, well, we're going to go to De- Deuteronomy 14 and come back to one verse in Leviticus. But before we uh, move in another direction here, uh, in chapter 11, there's just two more animals I just wanted to briefly mention. In verse 17, it talks about the owl. Now, the interesting thing about an owl is it, it has no ears. And it says that some owls sleep so uh, soundly that they're killed by their enemies. They they sneak right up on them and kill them. And the characteristic, I believe, seen in this particular animal that we are not to have is the spirit of slumber. Uh, It can be a a place that we move into as a Christian sometimes uh, because things occur so slowly, just like a a boat dock, and you tie a boat there, when when you loose the rope, at first the boat just sits right there at the dock, doesn't move. And the water, if the water's calm, it may appear that that boat's not going anywhere. But five minutes later, that boat's 5, 10, 15 feet from the dock, and it has drifted. And many times as Christians, things overtake us, and they overtake us very, very slowly. It's not, you know, a boom, bang, you know, there it is, and we see it. It's something that's very slow, you know, in occurring. And so it is with slumber. The spirit of slumber in a Christian comes very slowly, a little bit at a time, and before you know it, the individual is asleep. In Isaiah 56.10, it talks about the watchmen. And it says the watchmen are blind. And it goes on and says the reason why the watchmen are blind is because they have fallen asleep or they have the spirit of slumber. Turn to first. Thessalonians, and we'll read a couple scriptures, then we'll move on to one other animal. Proverbs uh, 6 says, a little, a little sleep, a little slumber. This is a scripture that you're familiar with. A little folding of the hands to sleep, and your poverty comes upon you quickly. So there you have a little sleep, a little slumber. So in in the scriptures, we see that that's something that we need to to watch out for. Or another way to say it in the context of what we're studying is that we are not to partake of that which will cause us to fall asleep. In Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 6, therefore let us not sleep as others do, 
but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. So once again, Paul uh, talks about this particular thing where we are not to, to sleep spiritually, to, to move into slumber, but rather we are to be sober, we are to be alert. We are to be able to see uh, the enemy and, and the different things that come against us as Christians that will cause us to sleep. And it's very interesting, uh, it's just like the owl, obviously it's some, some of the owls sleep so deeply that if their enemies can come up and kill them, take that, you know, and, and apply that to us, you know, we can, can move into an area where we are spiritually asleep and we're not seeing what's coming, we're not understanding what's happening around us because we're asleep and before you know it, spiritual death can occur. So that's something that the scripture warns against. Now another uh, animal in chapter 11, verse 29. Now I did a study of every one of these animals. And uh, of course, we don't have time to, to look at them, but it's very interesting. The, um, the things that you can uh, learn from this. But anyway, verse 29 here talks about the weasel. Now it says the weasel has a savage and violent nature. It's very ferocious. It's called the terrible little animal. Now listen to this. Well, there's a story of an eagle that was shot down. And when they shot the eagle down and they, they, they picked it up, they found the skull of a weasel attached to its throat. And uh, the weasel, it says here, it devours the brains and sucks out the blood of its victim, but doesn't touch its flesh. A colony of, um, of rodents or in a chicken coop, a single weasel will just kill and kill and kill. We'll never eat, never eat the, uh, the animal, just kill them. And one of the characteristics I see there is merciless. You know, the weasel is merciless when it comes to, to other animals around it. And see, as the believer, we are to have mercy, we are to show mercy. In um, Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for what? They shall obtain mercy. So that having that particular thing, mer being merciless, having that a part of the character of the Christian, God says, that, that's, that's not you know, correct, you, you don't want that. That's not something that, you know, you, you are to have at all. And another thing that I see with this particular animal is that it's very, very intense. Very intense. Uh, how many have ever seen a weasel live? <laughs> I was fishing years ago up, um, up north. And I was sitting there, having my lawn chair. I was by myself, having my lawn chair out, and I'm sitting there, and I saw this rodent fly by, and I saw something go Phew! after it. It was a weasel. It chased that thing through the bushes all around me, under the chair. It's like I wasn't even there. Very, very intense. But see, intense about the wrong thing. If you understand what I'm saying, I'm applying the spiritual. See, we can be in intense, but a person can be intense. In, very intense when it comes to things that are not related to God and, and not what God would have them do. And so these animals here, many of them uh, portray all these different characteristics like um, the eagle and uh, let me see here. Uh, there's one animal that, that um, portrays immaturity. Uh, another one portrays trusting in the natural man. The parrot portrays 
murmuring. And so on and so forth. So all these particular things are not to be a part of our diet as a Christian. God prohibits that. He says, you know, <laughs> you can't partake of that and walk and have the strength to walk in this Christian life the way you should. Now, let's turn to Deuteronomy. So now, the last few weeks, we've been looking at that which we are not to partake of. Uh, remember that, you know, we're not denying the literal meaning of these verses. For the Israelites, literally, they were not to partake of this meat. And it's interesting, I don't know if you have encountered Christians who deal with this, and they talk about, you know, you know not eating meat and or, you know, you know, being a vegetarian, and, 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 you know, there's a lot to be said for, for that. But as far as what is going on here, God does not say you're not to eat meat at all. And I know that they use the verses in, in uh, Genesis where it talks about every herb of the field is yours. But here he's talking about what they shouldn't eat, Literally. But see, there's always something else going on. There is another thing flowing in spirit. So you have those who did not partake of certain things physically, but had that, that spirit in them. And a good example would be the Pharisees. You know, as far as the letter of the law, they kept it. They didn't eat these various meats like, like the pig. But yet, spiritually, they were feeding upon that which brought impurity into their lives, and that is seen in their dealing with Jesus and with others. The impurity there. So how do, how do these things apply to us as Christians? See, people will take and they will, will attach a literal meaning to them, and say, okay, you shouldn't eat this, you should eat that, and, and so on. And miss the intent, or miss what is moving in the spirit, and partake of those same things in spirit, which brings that negative element into their heart and life. So as a believer... We're going to look here at Deuteronomy 14. There are things that we are to reach out to and, and, and grab spiritually and partake, and it is to become a part of us. And, and that's why I believe these things are written. And remember, the, this truth here is not just here. This is flowing throughout the Scriptures. You can go to the New Testament and see uh, these things moving, uh, I can anyway, I'm sure that you will once we, you know, once we bring them out. But um, in chapter 14, it talks about some of the things that we're allowed to eat. Now, as a Christian, certain believers need to go on a diet. You hear all this stuff today about, you know, going on a diet, you know, losing weight and all this other stuff. Or, you know, having this diet because it's healthy, because the person's exercising and what have you. There are Christians that need to be on a diet, and they need to be very selective when it comes to the food, the spiritual food that they eat. Instead of taking in everything that's around them and, and bringing that in and assimilating that. Now let's go to chapter 14, verse 4. We'll read uh, these, these uh, three verses. And then we'll come back, and I'm, I'm going to pick a few things out of them. These are the beasts which ye shall eat, the ox, the sheep, the goat. Now remember, there is to be an assimilation of these. And, and, and just, let me just hold that thought for a second. 
uh, verse 5. The hart and the roebuck and the fallow deer and the wild goat and the, the bison or whatever that is, um, and the wild ox and the shamu, and, er, and every beast that parteth the hoof and, cle, and cleaveth the cleft in, into two claws and cheweth the cut among the beasts, that shall ye eat. Now this is, if you read down through this chapter, you will see that this is moving hand in hand with, with Leviticus 11. Now, going back to verse 4, the first thing that's mentioned is, is the ox. Now, the ox speaks of the servant attitude. See, an ox, so to speak, loses its life, and it finds its life in serving. So, so you see the, the ox plowing. You see the ox um, in the threshing floor, threshing uh, the, the, the wheat or the corn or whatever. You see the ox uh, taking on these, these, uh, uh, these characteristics of being a servant, plowing and, and what have you. All that going on in them. Uh, see, they... they there is a leaving of one thing and a, a new thing begins. Uh, a leaving of the old, so to speak, and coming into that which puts a person into service for God. So that there's no longer a, a serving of self, being out in the field and you know doing what you want. Now, there is a yoking together. You see a yoke, a yoke of oxen. And now there's a direction. Now there's, there's a, a servant attitude there where the, where the person now is yoked with the Lord and they're in, in, in the yoke and, and the oxen begins to serve and they're moving in a way with God. Now, in order to do that, a person must partake of that spirit of Christ. See, Christ was a servant. Jesus uh, got down and he washed the feet of the disciples. What was he showing them? How to serve. He was showing them how to take the ox and take that and partake of that. Remember, there must be an assimilation when you eat. So that whenever you go, brother, and you get a steak, you get a nice thick inch and a half steak, and you cook that, and you, you, you sit there and you eat that, and it's yummy, you know? Now, after you're done eating, do people around call you a cow? <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> oh, oh, pig. <laughs> Little twist there. <laughs> But what has happened is whenever you take that and you eat that, goes into your body and, and you assimilate that. Your body breaks it down. It takes it. It uses the, the, the nutrients and the vitamins and uh, the amino acids, whatever's in that particular food. Now it goes to strengthen your body, to strengthen your cell structure, and, and, and all that. So, so that which you have taken and, and eaten, you have totally assimilated that, and now that particular thing that was there before you, now is actually a part of you. It's, it's, it's flowing through you. You have, you have assimilated that. So the spirit of being a servant... If we are partaking of Christ, if we are in submission to Jesus Christ, then we are taking that servant attitude. Submission is a, is a, is a servant, servant space, uh, place. And, and, and we are taking that now, eating that spiritually, so to speak, and now that is becoming a part of us, just like you know, eating this meal. 
It's assimilated. And you, you cannot assimilate something without it affecting you. You know, take some poison and, and, and take a little drink of it. And what happens? Well, you'll be in the hospital or your liver will shut down. See, it affects you. Taking in certain things affects you. Whether you know it, understand it, or believe it or not, it does. And so the ox, that particular, the attitude, um, the idea of being a servant, that characteristic is to be uh, moving in the heart of a Christian so that there's no longer other things, there's no longer what you want, there's no longer, uh, you know, going and doing all those other things that you may have wanted before. Now you're partaking of something different, and that has become a part of you, and, and it does something in you to where now you want to serve the Lord. Uh, I was actually thinking about Sunday school when I was, you know, looking at this. Starting with the nursery, Sunday school, uh, youth church, children's church. I, I personally believe that in our church now, there is more ox being eaten than ever before. And I've been in this church for years, many years, more years than some of you have been alive. Yeah, I'm getting old. <laughs> and that's, it's wonderful to see how, how, you know, the people downstairs, you know, are serving God from their heart. And um, I think the Lord is, is well pleased with that. See, but that's feeding upon something. That's feeding upon uh, this servant, this, this characteristic. If I, if I were to have a, a, a thousand churches to pick Sunday school teachers in, in all these different, you know, you know nursery and uh, youth church, and I could hand pick them, I wouldn't change. The people that we have here, I believe God has worked in their life, and he's using them in this particular thing where, where they have partaken of Christ, and now they have the servant's attitude. It's a wonderful thing. Greater love hath no man than this, that he gives his life for his friends. That's being a servant. He that loses his life for my sake, Jesus said, shall find it. What's he going to find? He's going to find a new purpose. You lose your life, you're going to find new purpose, personally as a Christian. Okay, let's move down to verse, oh boy, I never have enough time. Uh, let me just look at one thing here, um, 1 Kings 19, 19. Now this is before Elijah is taken up in the whirlwind, and um, he goes through certain things, and then he goes back, to where Elisha is. And I think this is very, very interesting. Verse 19, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shehat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed him and cast his mantle upon him. So here you see Elisha. I love this. <laughs> where is Elisha? Now remember, he is going to receive a double portion of the spirit that Elijah had. Uh, Elisha has this heart for God, and he wants to be involved with serving God, you see. But where does Elijah find him? He finds him there, and there, there's, there's the physical aspect here, and there's the spiritual application. He finds him plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. See, here, there he is. He's being a servant. He's plowing for someone. But spiritually speaking, he's becoming a servant 
And this is bore out by what he does after this, and we're not going to look at it, but I think it's wonderful. He, 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 he doesn't go back. He doesn't go back after the call comes to his life. He doesn't go back to plowing. He takes the ox and he kills them, and he sacrifices them. Does everybody have a big party? Because I'm, I'm going somewhere else. I'm a servant of God. Okay, back to Deuteronomy 14. Verse 5, we see the deer. Now, this is interesting. A deer is capable of leaping 6 to 10 feet high and possibly 30, 33 to 39 feet it can jump. Now, I remember years ago, I used to fish occasionally up in Titusville. And uh, I was with a fellow I used to work with and. We went out, we were going down this dirt road, and there was a farmhouse there. And this guy had this, he had a garden, big garden, and he had this fence around the garden. And the fence was probably, I would say, it was, it was higher than this, maybe a foot higher, maybe seven, eight foot high, this fence was. And this was in the evening we were there. And you know the headlights, you catch the deer real, real easily, you could see them. And here was this deer. And he just came, you know, like a slow trot up to this fence and just right over top. And I could not believe it. I, I, I could not believe a deer could jump that high. I, I was kind of taken back. I said, wow, did you see that? I was young, you know, it was the first time I saw that. I thought it was beautiful. Well, the deer represents desire. See? Our desire for God. Turn to Psalms 42. You know, God can do this for you. Where He will put a desire for Him in your heart that cannot be quenched. Well, of course you need to feed that now. When I became a Christian... Things were so drastically different for me. I mean, you know, talk about turning the light on. God put a desire and a hunger in my heart for Him. And a hunger in my heart for His Word. And that thing has not diminished. Now, there may have been a few times where, you know, it, it comes down a little. But that has not diminished, you know, and this, this is a work of the Spirit, I believe, where he did something early on, and I believe it was, it was preparing me for, you know, what, what he has for me, uh, for, for ministering in that. Um, and he placed a desire in my heart, and all I needed to do was to watch that and, and to feed that. And God puts this in the Christian who wants him. If you want him, he'll put a desire in your heart for him. And it doesn't matter what happens or what comes down the road, you know, it will not quench that desire. Psalm 42.1 As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. So here, the psalmist has this desire, like the deer. Like the deer pants for the water. How many have seen a deer pant for the water? You see them out, when I used to hunt, they go out in the woods, and if a deer is running for a while, they come up and their tongue's even hanging out the side of their mouth, you know, breathing heavily. That's the picture. See, see, that's the picture here, not of the deer with its tongue hanging out, thirsting for water. But the picture is that you and I are to hunger or thirst, hunger and thirst are both desires, thirst after the Lord. That we would desire Him. You know, not desire heaven. You know, a lot of Christians desire heaven. But it says in the scripture that the heaven, see, how does it say? Uh, 
heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. See, because he's bigger than heaven. And if Christians focus their desire on heaven, what are they going to do when heaven and earth pass away? See, so our desire is not to be for heaven. It is to be for the Lord Jesus Christ. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Desire, just as the deer, desire. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Isaiah 48, 21. Let me read this. And they, speaking of the Israelites in the wilderness, and they thirsted not when, when he led them through the deserts. So in Isaiah it says they thirsted not. Now you go back and look in Exodus, you will see that they went three days without water and they came to Merah and the water was bitter. Do you think three days, after three days in the wilderness, that, that you would be thirsty? You think? I would say, go one whole day without water and see how thirsty you are. So it says here, uh, and they thirsted not when he led them through the desert. They did not thirst in the inner man. See, they thirsted physically, but they were not thirsting for him in here, within. Oh, I won't eat this animal, I won't eat that animal. Literally. But what about spiritually? Oh, I'll have ox tonight, Lord, or deer. Well, that's good. There's an interesting verse here. I have it, I was going to, going to look at it at the very end, but let me read it now. This is Deuteronomy 12, 20. Listen to this. When the Lord your God has enlarged your territory as he has promised you, and you crave meat and say, I would like some meat, then you shall eat as much of it as you want. Well, that kind of blows this old vegetarian thing right out of the water. <laughs> no, I mean, no, we won't get into that. But <laughs> Then he goes on, he says, eat them as you would, the gazelle or deer. So he actually literally said, go ahead, you can, have, you can eat as much of that as you want. In the natural. It's literally, that's what it meant. But spiritually, the application is you can eat or you can desire deer, the desire for God, as much as you want. So what you receive many times is not dependent upon God. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not, in other words, God's not the one that's hindering. See, many times it's, it's our heart. You know, we hinder ourselves. God says, if you want, to, you want to partake of desire, you want more desire for me, that's fine. Have as much as you want. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means you need to order your life aright. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation or his, his behavior aright, will I show the salvation of God. So, you are to take that. And if you want to have your desire for Him increased, that's okay. He'll do that for you. Daniel 1.8 says this, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Why? Because Daniel had another diet. Daniel was feeding upon other things. And that's why he purposed in his heart to go in another direction. See, feeding upon that which God has allowed or that which God has given to you 
will help you to discern, to see, and will help you to purpose in your heart to move in the right direction. So your diet's important. Don't think you can leave church and you can feed on all kinds of other things and you're going to come back to church and everything's going to be fine. Well, it affects you. What you eat will affect you. If you sit down and you, in the natural, and you eat all sweets, you know, sweet after sweet, pie, desserts, candy, cookies, for 24 hours, see how you feel the next day. You think that things don't affect you. And that's in the natural. You don't think that happens in the spiritual? Yes, it does. Okay, let's go back to Deuteronomy 14. Now, I went down to verse 5 and looked at the deer because I didn't want to run out of time. But let's go back to verse 4. Verse 4, now I'll just read this. Verse 4 deals with the sheep. Now, the sheep speaks of sacrifice. Sacrifice. See, you want to be a part of his flock? Sheep speaks of sacrifice. See, there will be things that you must sacrifice. Your time, whatever it may be. When I sit at home and, and I study for an hour or two hours or four hours, I don't do that for me. Now, I benefit from it. But I don't do it for me. See, there are sacrifices that you are going to have to make as a Christian. Maybe you don't want to teach Sunday school. And the Lord says, okay, I want you to teach. Or maybe, you know, you don't want to do something that the Lord's directing you to do. Well, what's going to have to take place is, if you want to feed upon this, the sheep, Sacrifice is necessary. I'm going to read two verses. Leviticus 4.32. And if he bring a lamb for a sin offering. Lamb, a sheep. Sacrifice. Uh, Leviticus 5.6. And he shall bring uh, his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a female from the flock, a lamb. There you have a sheep. The, the lamb was an integral part of the sacrificial system in Leviticus. Without the sacrifice, there would have been a bre breakdown of the whole Levitical uh, system. Without sacrifice in your life as a Christian, there will be a breakdown in your character. Whoa. God had a purpose for the Levitical laws and all that. See, He has a purpose for your life. And if you want to find that purpose and you want to move in that purpose, sacrifice will be involved there. So you have to partake of the sheep. Sacrifice. Turn to Romans 12. I want to write this down here so you see it. You can hear it and see it. I think that's sometimes that's, that, that sticks with us better. Verse 1. Very familiar portion of Scripture. I beseech you therefore, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. The word sacrifice means... That's one meaning, offering, victim. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present yourself as an offering. Present yourself as a victim. And, and that particular word there goes back to Leviticus. The lamb was the victim, the innocent victim. <coughs> present yourself as a victim or an offering, holy, acceptable unto God. Be ye holy as I am holy, which is your reasonable service or worship. So be the Lamb. What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus? Behold the victim of God. Behold the Lamb of God. 
Behold the offering of God for you and for me. And we are called to sacrifice in whatever way that is for you personally. You are to, to eat of that particular meat, the lamb. As a Christian, that is to be a part of your character so that you, your life, becomes an offering to God and an offering to other people. So that what you do, how you live, becomes an influence or an offering to others. Powerful. Eating this. I'll tell you what. If, if we would eat of these things, <laughs> we would start to really take on the character of Christ. You know, just uh, dealing with the three that we looked at. If those were in the church, you know, at large, you know, universal. Many of the problems in churches that you see where there's division, like Paul says, let there be no schism or division among you, that you all have the same care one for another. See, that would not be there in the church. See, the reason why some of those things, those negative things are there in churches is because they're feeding upon that which God does not want them to feed upon, and the things He wants them to feed upon, they don't. And so you have all these different things to crop up in, in the person's life and in, in the church, all because of their diet. They need to go on a diet. Deuteronomy 14.4. I want to go through this real quick. It talks about the goat. Now it says that, that male, when you start to look at the goat, it says males in particular can be seen or pictured upon a small pinnacle. Have you ever seen a picture of, of a goat, a mountain goat, or billy goat, whatever you want to call them, you know, somewhat the big horns? Perched on a small little ledge, just barely big enough to put their feet on. The, this particular uh, animal characterizes the climbing ability as a believer. You are to be climbing. You are to be ascending, so to speak, in God. I remember uh, many years ago, and, you know, some of the things that, uh, for me, I remember, and some of the things that I probably should remember, I don't, but I remember this thing. This was a, an animal um, nature movie. And I was so... <sighs> I couldn't believe that, that this animal could do this, this goat. They, they showed this. There were this, it was this huge rock cliff, like a smooth rock cliff. It looked like it was maybe 200 feet high. And there was another rock cliff next to it. And there was a, a, a distance between them. I, I, I don't know how, how, maybe, you know, 15, 20 feet or so. And they showed these goats that were up higher in the mountain coming down. This was, it was amazing. They came down and they jumped over, they spun their bodies around, and they landed on the 90-degree rock cliff on the one side and, and jumped off that, spun their bodies around, and, and, and to, went, hit the other side of the rock cliff, and they bounced like a, pink, like a, like a uh, huh? pinball, thank you, like a pinball. <laughs> they bounced like this all the way down. I said, is this fake photography or what? No, they have this ability to scale into the heights and into places where other animals just cannot go. See, they, they are not equipped for that. They can't climb to certain places that these goats can go to. God has made them in a certain way so that they're able to move into this higher place. Uh, the scripture in Habakkuk, 
You're familiar with that one, right? Yeah, okay. Let's turn there. It's after Micah, if that helps. 319. And the Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. See, he will make my feet like hinds feet. Remember, <laughs> you have, for God to do this, you have to be partaking of the right things. One of them is the deer meat, the desire for God. So you have to be partaking of that. That has to be brought into your heart and life, and it needs to be assimilated so that now God has something to work with. Now he can make your feet, and it takes time. He can make your feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk, or you, to walk upon your high places. So that the goat, spiritually speaking, is to be something that is a part of our character, that, that we want to reach out to the Lord to take that particular characteristic and bring that to us. Now, that, that's, that's quite a bit. But see, all of you here today, you know, we all have started on a certain plane in God. When we were born from above, okay, we started in a certain place. And as we walked with Him and, and we desired Him, you know, we have, we have progressed to another place. But remember, the progression is not to stop, but rather, for you, it's to continue. So that there is to be this desire for God, and there is to be in the heart a, a reaching out to Him to obtain that which He has for us, that which, which is to be brought to us in our life, to change our feet so that we can now move in places uh, that before were an impossibility. Impossibility. Now, I'll share this with you in closing. I grew up with one fear. This fear was more than any other thing in my life. I feared this more than, you know, dying. Starting, probably, I can remember in sixth grade, some things happened that, that put this fear in my heart. And that fear was that I would, sometime in my life, be in front of someone and have to talk. When I got into speech class, in, in high school, I mean, that was a required course. And, and I'm telling you what, there was knots in my stomach the whole year. It's just what, it's just what was in me. And I remember I tried to bury that thought because I knew I had to get up and, and give this report in front of the class. And you know what I did to bury that? I didn't even read the book that I was supposed to read to give this uh, report to the class. I says, I'm not even thinking about it. I went to that class, never reading the book, and I got up there, and I says, and I wasn't a Christian. I made the whole story up. <laughs> I figured, why think about it for a whole semester when I could just think about it that day, and I'll make it up as I go. And I got a B. <laughs> but, but that fear has gripped me. When I first became a Christian, the thing I feared the most was that God would ask me for whatever, who knows? I think, well, God, you're not going to ask me. I can't talk. I stumble over my words. You know, I'm not that bright. You know, ask somebody else. He's never going to ask me to teach. And I remember that was the, the biggest fear that I had. And I remember I was a Christian for two years. And God says, I want you to teach Sunday school one time. Oh, my. I was praying and fasting for a week. I was in bad shape. But I did it. 
In order for me to overcome my fear, God had to work in my life. And I'm not telling you this just to say this. When I teach, you are looking and you are seeing a miracle. A miracle. And in order for me to go from where I was to a higher place, God had to do something with my legs. He had to do a miracle. I said, God, anything. I will do anything. I'll go and dig holes on the mission field. Ask me to do anything but stand in front of someone. And God says, you're the one I want. That's the way he is. He does things. Now, you think he did that because he wanted to punish me? No. See, it was necessary for me to go from the level that I was to another level and to go that distance. That is what I had to do. And I said, Lord, if I get up and I teach and I stumble on the words and my speech is slurred or I use the wrong words or the wrong scripture reference, oh well. Your people are just going to have to take it. They're going to have to you know, bear with me. So for your life as a Christian, you know, I don't know what it is, but God wants to use you, and he wants to take you from where you are today to a higher plane, and for him to do that, he might have to put you through hell, so to speak, because it's going to be something probably you don't want to do. But do you want to have hinds feet so that you can walk upon your high place? Well, you're going to have to do what God wants. It's that simple. Whatever that is for you. He's good at doing what he does. But see, that's something that we need to, to desire, that God would, would take us to a, a higher level, a higher plane, to be like the goat, that we can climb and skill uh, into areas of the mountain where no one else maybe could go. I was going to get into the locust, but I think we'll stop with that. Now remember, as far as, as I'll just mention this, the locust will just change for a second. The locust means to increase or to multiply. And there's, there's things in, in Peter talking about multiplication. And that's to be a part of our life also. Taking these things in. All these things are given to us, these foods, that they may strengthen, help, and develop the character of the Christian. Your character in Christ. Thank you. of living